0: over all this, this information and memorize it, trying to understand the process, but what are the real look like now if it's to make it. So, should I show again, yes, people are interested when you finish your degree of going off into, say, a of pharmaceutical industry. a few people might be interested in that. What about if you're <coughs> going into a medically related people, so either med school or grad school ranking of the importance of results, Um, ENAS is considered one of the the top journals, so we can go into this journal as they're going to have some important things um, for people that understand it. And what this deals with is how do you come up with an idea of where to identify or develop new antibiotics against (laughs) an organism, such as bacterium and tuberculosis. the way that story came about really is understanding basic physiology, because right? it gives you ideas on types of things to do. So just to give you um, some information, probably already know a little bit about tuberculosis. So the World Health Organization estimates 2 billion people are infected with mycobacterium tuberculosis. About a third of the world's population has, the, most likely is infected with this organism. Um, and it turns out about 10% of those people will eventually get the active disease sometime so in life. So the next 30 years, the expectation is there are going to be 79 million um, TB-related deaths worldwide. So it's a massive problem on a global scale. Um, and for many years, it was thought that tuberculosis was conquered; we didn't really need to worry about it anymore. But it's really come back um, pretty well because of this multi-drug resistant TB infection that we use to treat tuberculosis infections um, the bugs are just essence, becoming resistant to all of them and so it's very problematic and it's expected in the next 15 years being multi-drug resistant tuberculosis will be the norm for that infection and that causes all sorts of problems is how do you actually treat such an infection um, part of the reason why it causes these problems is is that mycobacterium tuberculosis has an incredibly slow doubling time. And so if you get the tuberculosis, hopefully none of you ever do, you have to be on antibiotics for about six to nine months. Okay. And the reason why this drug resistance comes about is because six to nine months is a long time to take a drug. Especially if after the first month or so you're on the drug, you feel pretty good because in essence you're not going to have the infection. So people stop taking the drugs. And that in essence all you've done is select for the guys that are resistant. And that's how it actually Long. So the World Health Organization has declared TB infection to be a global health emergency. The reason why they do this is not only is this a problem for someone that actually has the infection, but in some parts of the world, multi multi-joint resistant TB infections can result in completely overwhelming the health industry. And so, there's so many people sick and so many problems that the health system of that particular country can collapse. Right? And so that's why I thought that's really important to go through this. There is a desperate need of new anti-TB drugs. Now, as I said, one of the problems with tuberculosis, it grows really slowly and you have this problem of how do you keep the amount of drug around appropriately because you can also imagine that if you have six to nine months on a drug, a lot of drugs have side effects, and so side effects can accumulate over six to nine months. People are not going to be very happy to take it as well. So, the other problem is, is that we have all these different antibiotics. Right? So, if you were to classify a number, what do you think is the total number of general targets of the antibiotics that we use today um, have in the cell? So you look at all the cellular processes. How many different processes in the cell do you think that they generally target? All the processes. So we got cell wall synthesis. So that's one target. And we're going to talk about just the bacterial Anything else? Uh like DNA So you can get let yeah, so you get DNA, synthesis, and we'll group it together also with RNA synthesis. So that's the DNA polymerase, RNA polymerase. What else? Uh ribosomes. Ribosomes. So you got protein synthesis. What the last, or an it another one. Any other thing? RNA silencing. Well, RNA silencing is um, is not something that's gonna affect that degree. It's not thought of, it's a new general technology. Quorum sensing? Quorum sensing. It's a good idea, um, so we'll talk about quorum sensing this semester, but it's actually a new target. That's really driven by the fact that there's actually a limited number of targets. that charts are generally general. Rates. Something with DNA gyrus? I would, we could move, so DNA gyrus process of actually doing DNA synthesis. So we we'll can group that in here. Can you target the proton number? What's that? <coughs> can you target, I'd help the proton number? So that's one, so, um, let's see, we'll do membrane structure. And really what that is, is there are antibiotics that we use that in essence puncture holes into membranes, collapsing the protomotive force, the cell leaks out a lot of important uh, stuff, and it dies then as well. And it technically is actually really only one of Sorry? So so one of the, you're thinking along the right lines that the actual, it's not only DNA synthesis itself, but um, synthesis of the precursors for um, DNA RNA synthesis. Okay? That's really it. And so, that's an enormous challenge because if all of your drugs are targeting just in essence five processes in the cell, you can understand that, well, you target your ribosome, it's not surprising that you get resistance to one antibiotic, very frequently you run into resistance to another antibiotic because one of the ways to get resistance is to modify your ribosome and now it becomes no longer sensitive to antibiotics, antibiotic, but it can have bigger effects on other antibiotics about. so this has really limited our ability to develop the drugs because whenever we screen them in a, in a traditional way that's in essence everything we've identified so the question then becomes how do we identify different targets and what these guys are trying to do <coughs> is target the respiratory system of mycobacterium tuberculosis, tuberculosis right? and so they're looking at the type 2 NADH menaquinone oxidoreductase, reductase. And they, um, the reason why they're targeting respiratory system for mycobacterium tuberculosis is that it's, a, it's pretty much a strict error. Right? If it doesn't have oxygen and it can't do aerobic respiration, it's not gonna grow. So think about this as a, as a really good target that should be able to knock out this organism. So I told you that these days that one of the first things you do in microbiology is genomic information. So what they did is they went through and looked for homologs of known respiratory systems. And that's what's what's shown here. And so they have a a succinate dehydrogenase. Metaquinone um, reductase. They also found the NADH Metaquinone reductase. And they found type 1 and type 2. And the reason why they know it's Metaquinone is because. When they analyzed the genome, they found the enzymes necessary to synthesize specifically genes So then, they also found these complexes. So in looking at that, is my bacterium tuberculosis use few Q-cycle or a 3 Nope. What's that? Is it the loop? The loop? So why would you say the loop? Maybe I'm getting it mixed up. That is no, the loop. Uh, you're mostly right. for prokaryotes uh, and the cycle for eukaryotes. Is that, or did I remember it the wrong way? So around? think about. So what does the what does the loop have to do? Maybe simplify it that way. What does the if the quinones do if you're looking at a key loop? What's their relationship to the NADH, or excuse me, the um, quinone reductase on one side and the quinone oxidase on the other? Is there anything between the two of them? No. No. Okay, so the Q-loop, quinone gets reduced on one side, goes over, gets oxidized on the other, and what gets oxidized under aerobic respiration is going to be the terminal oxidase. All right? So if you look at this, quinone goes to cytochrome BD oxidase. Right? There's no in between for that direction. So does it have the possibility of doing a Q cycle? <coughs> this bacterium has the ability to do both a Q movement and a Q cycle. Okay? So this gives you an idea about the flexibility of these organisms for generating their energy. Push the electrons through to a quinone pool. Now you can adjust. Number of protons pumped out of the cell based on two electron movement because you're gonna have just two coupling sites if you use the Q loop, or you can have three coupling sites if you use the Q cycle. Right? Again, bacteria are really good about having flexibility in their Alright, one So the other interesting thing about this process, is analyzing it, is the cytochrome BC1 complex. Okay? And when I threw that out, you have a bc one complex that passes electrons off to a different protein called cytochrome C. Okay? It turns out eigenvalued transfernosis actually fuse them together as a single protein. So it's a cytochrome C. one complex with cytochrome C okay? So you don't have the ability of that cytochrome C to go off and work with other things. And that's important because um, if you have an organism like um, Paracoccus to they can use alternative um, electronic acceptors, and they can mix and match things very efficiently. Mycobacterium tuberculosis, it's got to do oxidative um, systems and therefore having these fused as a single protein, it doesn't really matter because it can only go in one direction. It's only going to go with that side of oxidase. So that's schematically how they propose that the system works, is that you can actually get either a Q or Q cycle function, this organism. <clears throat> the other thing that's of interest is they have type 1 and two different type 2s for the, MD, the um, this terminal, excuse me, the oxidoreductase here that's going to do the NADH minequinone reductase. So it's going to reduce those quinones. The other interesting thing is analyzing the genomes They found Mycobacterium mycobacteria in Lefria, which causes uh, leprosy, only has a type two NDH system. Right. So if you're interested in targeting certain things, you know this is a respiratory change, but it'd be really interesting if you hit the type two, because then you could actually inhibit tuberculosis and also have the ability to treat leprosy as well. So they're gonna go through and test this, right? And can they identify molecules that would disrupt this process? And what they focused in on is a class of molecule called the um, phenophiazins. And the reason why they focused on these types of molecules is because they're structurally quite similar to medically So in essence, they're trying to trick the bacteria into using this um, phenophiazine instead of using its natural name. At least that was their hypothesis. And these are some of their data asking that question whether Molecules that belong to this family of drug can they inhibit this process? So what's shown here is the amount of oxygen on the y-axis and over time on the x-axis. And they're going to use this molecule here, TPC. Now the first thing <coughs> they did is they purified mycobacterium tuberculosis membranes, and they're they're actually monitoring the amount of oxygen they detect in their sample, so they can. Add a certain amount of oxygen seal it, and then they can quantify how much oxygen is left after X amount of time. So they add NADH into this process, and you can see the oxygen disappears. It starts to decrease. And that makes sense because what they're doing is adding NADH as the electron donor, and in the end, one of these is dumping those electrons onto oxygen. Right? And what they're doing is monitoring oxygen disappearing in this reaction. So their hypothesis was that that type of molecule should be able to pivot that process. So they add that molecule TPC, and you can see what happens is oxygen um, stays constant. There's no longer oxygen disappearing from the sample. So they know that that molecule has somehow stopped this process. The electrons are no longer moving through to the quinone. Or, actually, they don't know exactly. All they know is the electrons cannot get to oxygen. That's all they know at that point. But there are some tricks that you can play to figure out which one of these steps is actually being inhibited or at least get a general idea of where it's being inhibited. And so they added ascorbate and a molecule called TMPD. I'll tell you what the chemical name of that is, the ascorbate, is a vitamin C. So it's a great electron donor. So those electrons then, it can artificially, in that test tube that they're doing this assay in, it can donate electrons right to cytochrome C. Right? So it skips around the whole E electrons through here and it donates the electrons here. Okay. And notice, oxygen disappears again, or starts to disappear. So, this molecule is inhibiting part of the respiratory chain. Where is it inhibiting? You may not even know exactly where it is at this point, but what can you make? What conclusion can you draw about that step there? <coughs> right. So if you bypass the quinone, dump the electrons, it works. So what does that tell you about where that molecule is? Membrane. After the quinone. So remember, the electrons are coming in here artificially. Well, at least, so you think about it the right way. We know at least it's not in this direction, right? So if, it could be potentially DC-1. It could potentially be something with the quinone or it could be um, these guys. So what that tells them then is that they're going to start asking questions about what is the specific target of this molecule? They don't have to spend a lot of time <coughs> This earlier portion of the pathway are they actually inhibiting? And what this is showing you is a spectrum to detect cofactors in the BD oxidase of <coughs> the one complex. Okay. And so this is just kind of giving more evidence in support of this. Now, the way this can work is if you don't have oxygen around. What happens is, the electrons will move through. Cytochrome C will get, or the terminal oxidase, all those components will gain electrons, but they can't donate those electrons So as they build up. So this gets fully reduced. Cytochrome C gets fully reduced. BC1 gets reduced, all the quinones get reduced, and the type 2 and type 1 Nath get fully reduced. Right? Now the importance of that is when you have the cytochromes, and they have these pretty elaborate structures, <clears throat> they have certain absorbances. And you can monitor that, and they absorb differently depending on whether they're oxidized or whether they're reduced. And so this is in the presence of NADH, you get all these absorbance spectra. And I won't go through the details. They know what each of these represents, and they know which ones are actually getting reduced on these you run the same experiment at NADH, just like you did here, but now include that molecule. None of these peaks appear. And the reason they don't appear is because the electrons can't get to those molecules. There's no way to accumulate the reduced forms of these complexes. So it gives them more evidence that these types of molecules are targeting this portion of the pathway, not this portion of the pathway. So the first experiment said, something before cytochrome C, this experiment saying something before the BCR complex. And the rest of this is really going through and discriminating then between, is it the type 1 or is it the type 2 system? So flavone is a known inhibitor of type 2s, so it inhibited the ability of NADH oxidation activity. So that starts to key them in on, potentially, the type 2s. TPZ also inhibited NADH oxidation activity. And the reason why you can do this is just like these molecules, when they gain electrons, they have a certain absorbance that's different than when they're oxidized. This has an absorbance. Um, 340 nanometers. Um, this does not. So if you want to know whether NADH is getting oxidized or not, all you have to do is, is start off with um, NADH and what will happen is similar to what you saw with that oxygen if you're monitoring the absorbance at 340 you'll see a decrease in absorbance over time because that NADH is being oxidized and it's going from having an absorbance at 340 to losing that so you can monitor the turnover of NADH so classic inhibitors of ndh one fail to inhibit the NADH activity so these data Buildings for towards the fact that it's not the type 1 that's involved or important for mycobacterium for most of this in these It's the type 2. But not only that, this TPC molecule appears to be inhibiting that type 2 function. Um, DMONH is just a substrate. Um, Analog that's specific or NDH1 failed um, to have failed <coughs> substrate, and inhibition of succinate dehydrogenase activities. If you did that, those are negative and had no impact. So that's you can so by going through and developing a hypothesis for how the respiratory system works, and thinking about the structures of the molecules involved in that process, the respiratory the 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 system, then they were able to go through and identify exactly what step in respiration is it inhibiting, and what it's inhibiting appears to be this type two um, MDH, NADH. Um, um, <coughs> Does anybody have a any question? So if, they're, if you're adding inhibitors for NDH1 and it's not inhibiting that, does that mean that they're not making the NDH1? They're not using it? They're not using it. So it may not be there at all? It may not be there under these conditions and these are mimicking what they see in when the dog is infecting us. And so, at least under those conditions, they're not So mycobacterium tuberculosis is very common in the soil. It's actually where it's normally found. And just happens to get into um, people periodically and um, cause disease. And so probably NDH one is important for its normal survival in the environment, but in the host it seems to be focusing in on NDH two. Any other questions about that? All right. So they wanted to make sure that indeed it is NDH two, and the reason why they have to do this is. If you ever want a drug accepted by the FDA, you have to establish exactly what is going to target. Because they want to make sure that there isn't the possibility of it going off and, and causing alternate activities. Um, and so you really need to focus and <coughs> identify exactly what is it targeting. And so the argument is that it's targeting an NDH2 in this system. There are two different ones for this organism. And what they did is um, they clone the genes that code for these proteins out of mycobacterium tuberculosis and they put them into E. coli, had E. coli produce these proteins and then they can partially purify them, um, and then assay for whether that enzyme is being specifically inhibited or not in the presence of those molecules. And what this is showing you is the loss in absorbance at 340, they monitor 340 to 400, but in essence it's this idea that I told you that reduced NADH has an absorbance, oxidized is not. And so as you get rid of the concentration of NADH, the absorbance goes down. And you can see in the absence of any molecule, this enzyme is catalyzing the oxidation of NADH. And if you increase the concentration of this molecule, you start to inhibit that activity. And it actually inhibits both of them. This is the other one. Um, again, no <coughs> um, molecule added increasing concentrations. And so what they've been able to do is walk themselves through the system and establish that this particular molecule targets <coughs> that particular step in, rest, in the rest of the system. But the question then becomes is, well, does this really matter at all? Ends in vivo assays? These are just showing you a series of structural analogs that they went through. They screened a library of these compounds and identified those that inhibit the growth of mycobacterium tuberculosis over 35 days. These experiments aren't fast. And they were able to identify these and then they went through and looked at how well does mycobacterium tuberculosis grow in the host in the presence of these molecules. Isoniazid and rifampicin are the two most commonly used anti-tuberculosis drugs. And they're also the ones that have the most common problems with resistance. And what they're quantifying is after they infect, how many organisms can they pull out of the lung versus the spleen, and the spleen, using a mouse model system. So does this molecule have any impact on the ability of this organism to cause disease? You can see these organisms really not, these molecules can really knock down the amount of um, organisms found in the spleen. They do reduce significantly the amount in the lung. If we look at compound one, which is this one over here, you find that it can actually abolish it in the spleen, has less of an effect on the, um, the compound in the lungs, or the identification of the in the lungs. So it's not the greatest drug at this point, but it does tell them that this idea of targeting NDH2 has the potential of going through and giving the ability to identify a new target for treating the infection. So now the goal is to manipulate that, that molecule, make different structural analogs, and make it an even better molecule. And most likely the reason why we're not seeing um, even better molecules is pharmaceutical industry really likes to keep things under wraps, and so if it works really well, they're not going to publish it, So in essence they're establishing the concept and that's really important because that's going to be informative for people as they are trying to develop drugs to treat these various types of organisms, right? So when genomics came out, one of the first things that was done is most of the pharmaceutical industry went through and sequenced any significant pathogen, came up with models for how all those pathogens survived, and now what they're trying to do is develop ways of targeting various aspects of that key part of physiology with new drugs. Completely new targets because they're not falling into one of the classic five targets that we always look into what labs that are found using more traditional means. So all of this started again from basic physiology, understanding how respiratory chains work, and coming up with a model, and testing those hypotheses. Any questions about that? All right. So on Monday we're going to start in on phototrophy. Don't forget. Problem sets will appear today at RMGW and it will be due next Friday. And if you have issues about lectures this week, shoot me an email using confusing topics and they try to cover it Monday.